You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Your Bibles today, the book of Mark chapter 5. Mark 5. It's not the message I preached 40, 45 years ago, but the thought is the same. I have no idea what points there were that many years ago. But chapter 5 has always been a very special text to me on this thought. One man made the difference. By the grace of God in 2023, I'm going to be that man. I want to be that man for your children. I want them to have in kindergarten a pastor that loves them and loves the Lord and is a happy camper, not an old grump. I want to try to change their lives with you as you raise your children for God. I want to try to be what I should be for your teenagers and college students and the single adults and the young marrieds and the middle-aged and the widows and the widowers. Ms. Trevor, we got home, I got home last night. She said, we have a long list of widows in our church. Now we do. And I want to be for those ladies and for those men what I need to be. I want to be for the new Christian what you need. I want to be for the young, uh, the old Christian, the elder that has been with Christ for many years. I want to be, I want to be for this city what this city needs. Amen. I want to be for this state what this state. I want to be for this country. And I want to try to encourage you, regardless of your age or how old you are, here's a crazy man. <laughs> that qualifies all of us. Here's a crazy man, out of his mind, demon-possessed, But when God got a hold of him, come on over, Brother Cooper, please. When God got a hold of him, he literally is going to change a city. Uh, It's it's in the importance of one man. Uh, You can do that, dear lady. You can do that. Is there, sir? You know, so many years ago, uh, it's actually 66 years ago, Viva Morningstar changed my life. My pastor said on a Sunday night, Viva, you come and lead Jack to Christ. I can remember that night. I can remember where I sat with my dad. I can remember where I sat in the platform with, with her afterwards. She dealt with me there. We didn't have any other chairs left in the church. I can remember getting saved. I can remember the first person I saw was my dad right out the, the, audit, the auditorium, little single door we had in that little building with lanterns glowing that night. We had no electricity. I remember the first person I told, I said, Dad, I got saved tonight. That one lady changed my life. I'm so thankful as I think about people. Mrs. Roth, I just attended her funeral about two years ago, a Roman Catholic lady in Fremont where I grew up, and, and she had passed away at the age of 97. Mrs. Roth changed my life in sixth grade. I hated school. And as a good student, I hated my teacher. No, no, no. But I mean, I, I hated school. But that lady changed my life. Uh, when she became my teacher, she was, she was just such a positive influence on my life. You know, Mrs. Daniels in kindergarten and Sunday school, 
I, I can hear her singing to Sunday schools in my pastor's garage. We were singing only a boy named David, deep and wide. That lady, I, I long to go to Sunday school because Mrs. Daniels is so special. I had a wonderful pastor and his wife. They invested and changed my life. My sweet dad and mother, they, they literally changed my life. I saw the best example of fatherhood. I have no excuse, and I'm not saying I was a good father, but I had no excuse because my dad was the perfect father. My aunt, my Aunt Eleanor, I had her funeral. Her husband built our building on Clyde Avenue back in 81, 82, 83. My, my, my aunt literally changed my life. I'd stop uh, at my senior year in high school on the way to work about 11 o'clock in the morning and stop and have lunch every day. And, and she was not an educated woman, but she was just a good woman. She loved me. Oh, how, how she just would give me things of advice. Now, Jack, I don't want you to get pimples, she'd say. And so I want you to wash your face. Here's some Vaisal Hex. Take it to school. I'm not going to go wash my face at school. But little things like that. She believed in me. She encouraged me. She said, Jack, you're going to be able to accomplish anything God wants for your life. That lady changed my life. I owe her so much. I owe my father-in-law who's with the Lord so much. I would not be pastoring this church without the influence he had on my life. That little lady over here that sits, literally, she changed my life for good. I, I'd not be pastoring this church without her. She doesn't pastor the church. She doesn't tell me, in fact, one day, so many years ago, 40-some years ago, that said, now, Pastor, you might want to do this in the pulpit. And my wife said, look. And she said to her, maybe you ought to tell Pastor. She meant it lovingly. And my wife said, that area doesn't belong to me. He doesn't need my advice. God will give him direction. I'm so grateful. I, I married so far out of my league. I want you to leave here today with the purpose. You may not know the per per person. Maybe you could change your neighbor's life. Maybe you could change your life for your mate. Maybe you could change your life for your children. Or you could change your life child for a parent. Maybe you could all, all just all of a sudden rise up and be the grandparent we ought to be. The employee you ought to be. We begin by introduction, introducing this crazy man. The Bible says he came over, Jesus did, to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was coming out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. There's so much that we're going to see about this man briefly today. I want you to see his dwelling by way of introduction. He had, verse 3, his dwelling among the tombs. Verse 2, the tombs. Verse number 5, the tombs. This man lived in a graveyard. It was a dead scenario. And a person without Christ is dead in trespasses and sin. We are dead to God, but Jesus, who is life, can come and give us life. He came with his life and died for my sin that I might live through him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. You're living in the tombs today. You're living in the gutter today. You're living in the graveyard of sin today. God could change all that this morning. His dwelling, would you notice by introduction, his demonic life. Not only his dwelling, but his demonic life. Verse 2, the latter part of verse 2. A man who had an unclean spirit. 
You'll see that throughout this entire ta text. He had an unclean spirit. He was, he was given to de demon, demon possession. I'm studying, I've been studying all this semester for January. I begin a, a, new, a new class in the college. I'm, I'm teaching on, uh, on the philosophy of music for an entire semester. And often uh, we're talking about church music, but I'm not starting with church music and I'm not beginning with contemporary music and I'm not go going to easy rock or folk rock or jazz rock. We're starting with rock and roll music. And you know the amazing thing about rock music when it entered in the United States, Elvis began to introduce it a little bit in 58, 59, but the Beatles came in 62 and 63 and it introduced it. If you look at the lyrics of their music, it's vulgar, it's death, it's sin, it's drugs, it's anti-authority. In fact, two of them said, I don't believe in, oh, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in anything God, I'll do anything to write music that's against God. Well, how are we doing, America? They all said, uh, all the rock stars, Led Zeppelin, you name them, uh, it's demonic music, it's music of the devil. We worship the devil. That's why they take a lot of their old photo albums on the albums of the, the vinyls and they'll go with the hearse to a graveyard and take their pictures and have chains and be chained up and they look like, because they're advertising their rock music. And he was a man of an unclean spirit. You realize that today we, we, people do this slaughter act and slaughtering people and this week again, slaughtering people and they call it, that had to be a hate kind. They're all hate crimes. And I tell you something, so many of them will say, I've been listing a man over here, and we've not had this kind of, but a man over here by the post office many years ago in the house where I led the first couple of Christ in 1976. They moved away, and there's a, a family living there, and he said, I, I, I got up this morning, I stayed on my bed, I listened to acid rock all day long, and the songs were about killing, killing, killing. And I went out to the kitchen, and I saw my aunt that night making some food. She had a butcher knife, I took it, I stabbed her, and and stabbed some of my family members and killed them right here. He said, I'd given myself to music all day long that was about killing. We live in a demonic society. The word, uh, uh, the ver word in the revelation, we give ourselves to sorcery. Sorcery is the Greek word pharmakia, where we get the English word pharmacy. We're given over to drugs. Drugs alters the mind. And they came out with a new study, of course, as we've known it, but a study that said just a few months ago that women that are expecting that are on drugs and on, uh, on marijuana, it affects the brain of a child. It's demonic. And notice, thirdly, his deportment, his conduct. Verse number three, he had chains. Verse number four, he had chains. Verse number four, again, he had chains. He was bound. Verse number five, he would cut himself. It's a new phenomenon in our country over the last 12 years, young people cutting themselves. I've dealt with people that cut themselves, teenagers that cut themselves, young people that cut themselves and destroy their body because they had been normally every time physically, morally abused in a home. This man was in an awful condition, his dwelling, his demonic life, his, his deportment, and then look at his de deliverance. Would you read verse six with me? Verse six, chapter five, Mark five, six. Here's his deliverance, ready, begin. 
But when he saw Jesus afar off, you know, things are going to change. How about verse number 10? And he said, what is thy name? And he said, answer, my name is Legion, for we are many. That is the demonic, the demons in him. And he besought much that he would not send him away out of the country. Now there was, there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils, these demons called devils, besought him, saying, send us into the swine, we may enter them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea. And there were about 2,000, they were choked in the sea. And when they fed the swine, uh, they that fed, fed, fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what this was done. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil. And he had a legion sitting clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. The change that took place, Jesus came by. Since Jesus passed by, since Jesus passed by, oh, what a difference since Jesus passed by. Well, Raymond, you've been saved a year. You're a good guy. I'm not saying you weren't a good guy, but things have changed. Who'd ever think a year, year and a half ago, you'd be sitting in church and loving it, and some guy yelling about you how bad you are, and you're not. But, you know, what, what, that, things changed. Amen. Your wife told me recently, oh, things have changed. I mean, business picks up when Jesus comes Amen. by. Ask the maniac in the era. Ask the woman at the well who is seeking, and she had been married five times and was living with the man. And when Jesus saved her, her life was changed. Ask Nicodemus. Ask Zacchaeus up in that tree. Ask these that were born again. Ask that man who had blind, been blind 38 years and Jesus came by and changed them. When Jesus stops by your door, answer the door. Amen. Answer the door. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus says, If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him. You know what's missing in America? Jesus. We have everything but Jesus. And what we need the most is trying to outlaw. When you preach some things, in the, another preacher in, in England was arrested for preaching against sodomy. It's coming, ladies and gentlemen. They think that book's a hate book. That book's a book full of love, for God so loved the world, but he hates sin. He doesn't hate the sinner, he hates the sin. It's about time we get on God's page instead of trying to get God out of our lives. And so here's a man, his deliverance is so wonderful. You see, we're still in introduction, hang on. But I won't be long today. Verse number 17, his desirability. Huh. Look at this. And they began to pray. The word pray is to beg or to ask him to depart out of the coast. Isn't it something when he was a rock and roller, when he was a drug addict, when he's living in the tombs, and they, they tried to tame him, they put him to chains and chained him to the, 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 the tombstones, and he'd break those things, and they, they'd hear him howling at night, and screaming, demonic power. And they weren't afraid of him then, but when he gets saved, the Bible says, we, we, we don't want you in our town anymore. City council, God bless you. And mayor, by the way, mayor and city council, I've prayed for you more this week 
Not that you'd be good people. I prayed for your safety and for your health. And I pray more for you than you pray for yourself. I'm the pastor. I'm the shepherd. Uh, this is the city where God brought me 40, my wife 47 years ago. No, I'm not asking any ill to happen to you or to your marriage or to your family. I would never want that to happen. But I know that he is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. I want you to come to know Christ as your Savior. And, and may I say today that there was a time when this, this church was really desired by our city. Politicians wanted to be here. But now because of all this new woke and everything else that's going on, they don't want God. Oh, but Santa Clara, Santa Clara was founded in 1777 by Catholics, by religionists. And now you don't want what you even claim to be. We want you out of the town. That's what they began to, we don't, we don't need you, we don't want you. But what, my last thought of my introduction, then we'll get to the brief message. Notice his duty. Always oh, seen his dwelling and the demonic, his demonic life and his deliverance and his desirability and, and, and his desire was to stay. Number seven, we see his duty, verse 20. Verse number 18, the latter part, said he, he prayed that he could be with him. He, I want to be with you, Jesus. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath compassion on them. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things God had done for him. All men did marvel. He said, your duty is to go tell others that Christ is the answer. That's your duty. So we come to this man. One man, watch it now, made the difference. In chapter 5, they didn't want him in their city of Decapolis. They prayed him, get out of our city. Get out of our city. We don't want you here. And he said, Jesus, I want to go with you. I want to spend the rest of my life where you go. I, I want to listen to you preach. I want to, pardon, pardon me, listen to you teach. I want to be with you, Christ. Jesus says, no, go home. Tell your friends. Tell everybody. Jesus leaves. He leaves that one man in that city. And to our, our, our awareness, it seems like not one person in that town was saved. Go to chapter 7. One year later. Look what happens. One year. <clears throat> chapter 7, verse number 31. And again, this is Jesus, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, came into the Sea of Galilee through the midst. Midst means right into the middle. Jesus went to the middle of the city. He went to the middle of the coast of, what's the word? Verse number 33, remember they want to get rid of Jesus, want to get rid of this lunatic man that got saved who was clothed in his right mind. Verse 33, he took him aside from the, what's that next word? A multitude. You know what happened? In that one year while Jesus was gone, one man, one soul winner, made the difference 
he, 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 first, I don't know, maybe he went to the barber. And the barber's afraid of him, you know. Not when he was up on the mountain screaming and chained. But now he's clothed in his right mind. And, and he says to the barber, I need to, you know, trip me up a nice shave and a haircut and, and, and wash my hair, clean me up. I just, I want to, I, I need that. While he's cleaning him up, he says, you know, Ralph, I haven't been in the barber so long. How will I tell you what Jesus did in my life? And he begins to tell him about what Jesus did. How I was crazy. I was demon-possessed. I was cutting myself. I was changed. I was naked. I was out of my mind. I was a crazy man. And Jesus stopped by, and he cast out those devils, and I put my trust in Jesus. And, and he says, I'd kind of I'd like to do that too, crazy man. And Ralph the barber got saved. Well, then he went over here to the men's clothing store. He said, I kind of like to have some clean clothes. I haven't showered in quite a while. I'm cleaned up now. And he said, you know, you know, Bob, it's a strange thing what happened when Jesus showed up. And he begins to witness to Bob the tailor. And Bob got saved that day. And, and then he said, you know what? I think I'll walk down the street. And he went to the meat market. And he said, Hazel, your husband here? Oh, yes. She's afraid of this crazy man who's now right. What happened? What kind of drugs does he have? What's he on? And Hazel, is Henry here? Yes, he's here. Bring him on out. I want to tell you the good news. Everywhere he went, he told the good news. Yeah. I mean, everywhere he went, he told what Jesus did. You know where that multitude one year later came from? A one crazy man who made the difference. You know this man right here that I'm thinking of right now, Henry Ford. He made the difference how you came to church today. A few of you walked in. Many of you Ubered in, but you were in one of those vehicles that Henry had the foundation for. Do you know one man changed this country and changed the world? You know, uh, some of you this week have been on airplanes. The Wright brothers, they, those two boys, that, that was one man made the difference. One airline uh, sent me a note years ago, 10 years ago. They said, now you have traveled over a million miles on our air flight. That's just one airline alone. I've been in planes all over the place, all over the world, preaching the gospel. You know how I owe that to one man, Orville, and two men actually, brothers, Orville and Wilbur Wright. And you see that little plane in D.C. that they have and how they flew that thing and got on there, how you'd ever fly it, scared to death at the Smithsonian. And do you know today that um, Thomas Edison, with all of his inventions and the light bulb made that one man, look at all the lights. If you get bored of preaching, start counting lights in the solitaire. They're everywhere. That's a fun thing to do. And, and, and one man made the difference. Did you know that uh, Clara Barton made the difference? Did you know that Ann Sullivan saw this wild girl? Nobody could tame this wild girl. You think of what this means. She was blind and she could not hear. How do you communicate with a child? And she was wild. She was just wild. She was like an animal. No one ever talked to her. She never heard a sound. And Ann Sullivan said, I love this girl, Helen Keller. I love her. 
And, and she began to deal with how, I don't know, I can't comprehend how she did that. And she taught her with her hand on hers, what an alphabet was, and taught her how to, and she became a, a, a great reader. She spoke before, uh, she, she was able to d- deal be, before Congress with an interpreter. She laid in state in Congress. May I say this? She, she also, she changed the lives of so many. Why? Because one lady, Ann Sullivan, said, I'm going to invest my life in that girl. You know, one person can change so much. I think of the fact that uh, Ann Sullivan, Clara, all these, the 12 disciples, the Bible said they turned the world upside down. The apostle Paul went from city to city to city to city, beginning churches and establishing churches. One man, and they said he's a crazy man. He was a political leader, and they worshiped him almost. And now when he got saved, things changed. He said, well, Brother Treber, that's a good story, but I'm too old to make a difference, or it's too late. You're never too old and you're never too late. Moses went into the ministry at age 80. And much of what we have from the first five books of the Old Testament that was written, we have Moses to be grateful for because he established government and our United States Constitution mirrors so much of that government. Moses, you go into the Supreme Court, you've been there, and you look up there, there's Moses' picture. They say he's one of the five most, uh, most amazing world leaders that ever has changed a world, not just a nation, a world for God, for, 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 for uh, God and for legislation for government. Started at age 80. Socrates did his big work and Plato after age 80. Do you know tonight, as you, today, as you, as you think of John Wesley, that great preacher, John Wesley traveled 250,000 miles on a horse to preach. At age 83, he was frustrated because he could only write 15 hours a day. He wrote 400 books John Wesley shook this nation with the first great awakening. John Wesley at age 86 said, I am so weary of myself. I've been sleeping in till 5.30 in the morning. I know I have enough strength to preach twice a day, every single day at age 86. Michelangelo, don't tell me it's too late. The Sistine Chapel. Every morning he'd get up and he'd crawl up the, sta- the, the scaffolding. And he got up to the top of that scaffolding, the Sistine Ch- Chapel. You ought to look it up today. Take a look at what he painted. He laid on his back day after day, week after week, month after month, and he painted the ceiling that's still there, the Sistine Chapel at age 90. Man, I'm too old. You know, I'm 53, nearing retirement. Would you get over that word? Go home and take the word out of your dictionary. Cut the word retirement out. It's about time to say, maybe I finally have something to say, well, my, my marriage didn't turn out. My kids didn't turn out. My health is broken. My this, my that. Well, why don't you do what you ought to do with your life and invest in somebody else and say, I am going to make a difference. These precious bus kids around here. 
I want to give them with our bus ministry the greatest Christmas of their life. I want to give them the carols. I want to give them the, the Christmas story. We're looking forward to giving them presents and gifts and Christmas trees that need them in the homes. But I don't want them to miss that the greatest person in all the world that can change their life is Jesus Christ. May I, may I say to you today that stop wasting your gifts and your talents. Tennyson, maybe you memorized in high school. Tennyson wrote that, that poem that is so famous in 1889, The Crossing of the Bar. Tennyson was on a ship coming across the ocean, became violently sick in a terrible storm. He wrote a poem, four stanzas to his poem, and, and the poem in 1889 says this, that there's an unseen pilot aboard with us today. He said the unseen pilot was God Almighty. And he'll bring you through the storm of life, the crossing the bar. He wrote that at age 83. Strauss was still writing great manuscripts of music into his 80s. Very, very well-known pieces. Beethoven as well. I'm suggesting today, stop telling God what you cannot do and start telling yourself there's something I can do for someone else on the pathway of life. I'm not saying that everybody needs money and everybody needs food and everybody needs this. I'm saying everybody needs Christ. Everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs a loving voice. Everybody needs maybe a helping hand, an encouraging word. Everybody needs something. One man made the difference. You boys, I love you so much down here. You high school boys, you're foolish if you give yourself over to something that's gonna be vain. Oh, while you're young, let's play basketball. I'll be at the game. December the 6th, Tuesday night, I'll be there. Deacons, I just canceled our deacons party. I, it's either you deacons or the basketball team, and I'll take the basketball team. Who knows, you guys might fire me. But nonetheless, I, I'm gonna be at that game, and I'll be rooting for you on all those cheerleading squads, the little girls, the intermediate age girls, the junior high girls, the high school girls. We're gonna pack that thing out, why? Because we believe in winning. If we have to cheat, we'll cheat, but we're going to win. But I'm saying this. I want to invest in these boys. But boys, if you think you're the next Michael Jordan, I remember playing against Michael Jordan. A one-on-one, -on -one, I beat him every time. Now, I'm so old, I can't prove anything now. But oh, that's great. I tried to teach him how to dribble and you know, all this stuff here. But may I tell you this? You don't play basketball generally at age 40. We've got a couple football players that are trying to do it. Your life is going to be so short. Invest in something that's going to count for eternity. As we stand together this morning, you've listened so well. One man, let's stand, please. One man, one man made the difference. Dominic, I wonder if you're that man in that schoolroom. Maybe you'll make the difference. Deborah, in your school, maybe God's going to use you. Jacqueline, in that public school, maybe God's, maybe, I know God's using you. I know he is in that public school. Brother Mark, in your public school, God's using you. God's using, that's why they voted you in on the board. God's going to use, and he has used you. In your workplace, 
One man, one crazy man. If a crazy man can make a difference, most of us have at least a half a mind. I wonder what could happen. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. To me, it's an urgent hour. December is on us this week on Thursday, and January 1st is days away. I'm going to make a difference. I'm not going somewhere where there's shuffleboard. I can spend the rest of my life playing shuffleboard every day and dominoes. There's more to life than that. Would you, would you today say, God has my life? I'll do what God wants me to do. And today, if you're here without Christ, he's the answer. He'll save you. He'll forgive you of all your sin. He'll write your name in the book of life. Today, a man will show a man, a lady will show a lady. In a moment, you'll hear the pianist play. And if you're not sure of salvation, we won't have you say a word and we'll not embarrass you. But will you just come and let a man show a man, a lady show a lady, or a couple show a couple how to be saved? That happened for me, <coughs> pardon me, 66 years ago. <coughs> Would you get saved today? Raymond got saved a year ago today. If you come, say, I'm going to invest my life in something. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to invest my life in people. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.